Hello, I'm Matt, and I am from ERB Radio and ERB Magazine. You are listening to The Hook Rocks with Jay Scott. We very much appreciate him. He is a star. Make sure you order a copy of ERB Magazine. Bye for now. That suitcase Just throw in things That you're gonna use We'll be pulling out Of here at daybreak And we ain't got nothing To lose Take this time we have To call your mama Help her understand This is what you gotta do This old town can break you And it's gonna And we ain't got nothing Evening, everybody. Welcome back to the Hook Rocks. I'm your host, Jay Scott. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for making time for me and the guests that I have and the shows that uh, we have on this platform. Thanks again for tuning in. Happy New Year to everybody. It's 2022. Hopefully, it uh, it is better than 2021 and 2020 before that. So let's look ahead. Let's be positive. Once again, we are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, a great network of music-related podcasts. You can find anything music-related on Pantheon, including my friends Tom and Zeus from Shout Out Loudcast, Vinny Apice and Carmen Apice on the Hanging and Banging Podcast, Martin Popoff, the great rock historian, and Mistress Carrie out in Boston. She's got her own show. She's been in the radio business for a long time and she's got a great podcast as well you can follow pantheon and twitter at pantheon pods and also at pantheonpodcast.com you can also follow the hook rocks wherever you do podcasts we're on every platform as well as twitter at at, uh, the hook rocks and facebook the hook rocks look forward to another great year thanks for a great year last year as we continue on into january we've got our second episode of conversations and collaborations, bringing together new music, new artists, new bands together on one show. Our first show featured Tyler Baker from Goodbye June with John Notto from Dirty Honey. And our guest for this episode today 
is Jennifer Lauren from the band Diamonds and Whiskey and Travis McCready, the great artist from Mississippi, formerly of Bishop Gunn. What's going on? How's everybody doing? Going good, man. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. Uh, happy to do this episode with both of you. Big fans of both your music. As you know, I've had you guys on previously, and uh, I figured this would be a great setup with you two um, doing what we did with John and Tyler on the previous episode, kind of for both fan bases to kind of get to know different fan bases and different music and, and kind of you know cross over into other people's uh, fandom. So thanks for doing this. Thanks for having yeah. us. How's everybody's New Year going? Mine's good so far. A little, little bit of the the COVID going on, but um, recovered from that, and so I think I'm ready to go out after today. <laughs> so uh, I'm just going to start my new year tomorrow. <laughs> going good for me so far, you know. Um, can't really tell the difference from 2021 yet, but you know, <laughs> we'll see. You've had some gigs recently, haven't you? Oh, yeah. Did you do some yeah. stuff in December? How, how'd those go? I did. Um, yeah, a couple in Tennessee. Um, they went great. Um, New Year's one was a lot of fun. Those are always a lot of fun. It's like people that um, they just go a little harder on that night, you know. <laughs> it's always it's always a night where um, you know people that aren't usually out as much as others. So you get like new you know new folks and get to meet new people and play for new people. And you see them again, maybe like the next year when they come back out and get really, really hammered all over again. <laughs> what was it like for you having a band on these shows? I know you did some, I know you've been doing a lot of acoustic shows and solo stuff, but since Bishop Gunn disbanded, this was kind of the first shows that you did with some, some other musicians. It's been, um, you know, maybe less than 10 shows, but I have had, um, some um, some other musicians here and there. Um, I've been playing with two guys from Huntsville for since I guess August, and mostly the bass player because the um, the guitar player um, he was um, he had some other gigs he was committed to, but he was finishing up to free up to play with. Um, he was going to play with me um, more often, and um, so I played a lot with just me, the bass player, and a drummer in the last you know since August, you know. And um, uh, my drummer, Jody Stallone, he's been with me um, about half the about half the shows I've played since uh, May 2020. So we were two pieces that I would do by myself. It was just kind of a weird thing about um, everything was open, closed. You know, you couldn't really, I didn't really try to lead or insinuate you could lead a band or or anyone uh, through. Um, the last couple of years, you know, with it not really being in anybody's hands. So, uh, yes, we just did what we could and had a good time. And um, now I have three musicians playing behind me um, as of now. And it's, I call them um, just the entity of the of the musicians with me, the band um, behind me, the Tramp. So it's Travis McCready and the Tramp, plural. I mean, a singular, sorry. There you go. How about you, Jen? I mean, I know you finished up 2021 with the single Walk Hard. Um, it got a really good response. Um, what, uh, you know, what was your year end like and what's going to be going on in the new year for you? Well, you know, 2021 was pretty big for us. Our tour went through finally after COVID. And so we ping ponged across the country all summer. I think every weekend we were in different States. It was crazy. 
Um, I counted, I was on like 47 different flights over the summer. It was nuts. Um, but yeah, it, it was an incredible year for us and we grew cough. I mean, leaps and bounds, but yeah, Wolf Hard is still going strong. We're getting ready to release the video for it. Um, and then we're releasing One Shot Betty, which is the next single off the record. And then it looks like maybe the end of February, we're going to release the whole record, Blonde Ambition, um, which I've worked really hard on this past year. And I'm really proud of it. Um, and then March, we leave for tour. Uh, we leave for Florida and, uh, and then come back to the Carolinas and then head to North Dakota for 10 dates with David Lee Murphy. And um yeah, our summer's already pretty booked up. I'm, I'm excited opening for Travis Tritt, Wayne Jennings. Um, actually, there's a long list of big acts we're opening for, but I can't can't release that yet. So, <laughs> um, but I'm I'm really excited. It's um, 2022. If everything goes right, it's going to be huge for us. So, um, so yeah, this this year is starting out, you know, looking up anyway. But it but it's been looking up for us. I, I'm I try to find the silver lining in everything, even the whole COVID thing and. COVID allowed me to stop touring and, and do a record, which was great, and um, do it cheaper because everybody was looking for work <laughs> at the time. So I tried to find the good in, in everything. And, uh, and yeah, so, so we're ready to, ready to really launch that this year and, and play a bunch of gigs and get on the road. How about um, in terms of the album? One of the common themes that I've talked about with a lot of artists, new bands, and is how long they've sat on something, right? Because they were waiting for the right time to release it. It was, you know, they couldn't, some people felt that they couldn't tour behind it. They didn't want to put it out there. Others felt that, hey, if they're, you know, putting something out in front of their fans, they can, you know, get that in front of people. What was your thought process and how long has this album been ready to go? Well, it actually, um, you know, we released the first single last spring, Backcountry Voodoo, and then um, and then Walk Hard in the fall. And I had planned to release three to four singles before the entire full length record. Um, but because our tour was so crazy this summer, I just could not focus on the promotion of of new singles coming out. And we still had Heartbreak Queen. That's my first record that's been doing amazing. Um, and Hero, in fact, is is one of our most streamed songs ever and has been streaming like nuts lately. Um, so I was still touring off the, you know, Heartbreak Queen album and, um, everybody, I feel like people loved it when I put it out, but now that our fan base is so much bigger, everyone's learning about that record right now still. So, um, I didn't really want to sit on this album per se, but I've spent a lot of time and money and had amazing Grammy winning players come in and like, you know, all these people that have been involved in this record, Eddie Z produced it and in Charlotte, he's amazing. Kirk Kelsey, who's, uh, I mean, he did a Creed record. He is the front of house mixer for um, Keith Urban. He's mixing my record right now. He's finishing the last two songs. And so I'm in the final stages of it, but I have taken a year and a half to do this album and put so much into it because I wanted it to be, absolutely incredible so and now that it's almost done i'm just gonna throw it out there because <laughs> i'm so ready for that yeah and you travis you uh last time we spoke you have your solo stuff ready to go i know you put out the bishop yeah. gun um, album was it august um, yeah yeah so that was a kind of a conglomeration of um junction there um so uh i'd, I'd recorded like nine songs at fame where you know i recorded a couple times before in Muscle Shoals, Alabama and back in March, I believe, of uh, last year and was kind of setting it up for some fall release, you know. 
uh, at my leisure. I wasn't, you know, I write songs a lot, so <laughs> I got a lot of information. So, um, but there's, um, and then Gypsy Cadillac was um, decided to come out uh, like we'd made that record in November 2019, and it was scheduled to come out in the spring, of course. And then you know, so the next summer it was able to come out. And so um, I didn't want to rush and just throw too many, um, you know, just too much information out there. So I kind of was thinking, all right, well now I have. Now I have um, a little bit of space here and I need to evaluate it, you know, and about that time I started, I got up with the guys and um, the bass player and, and, the, and the guitar player from uh, Huntsville that's been playing with me. And so then I kind of went to, ref <laughs> you know, kind of back into the, um, a little bit of the creative space to where I'm like, all right, well, some of these, maybe I have an e maybe I have some EP material and then, and then what, what I'm going to, um, what I'm planning to record here in the spring uh, with uh, with these musicians I'm playing with, so that's where I'm at, and I'm gonna see what um see if there's like maybe maybe an album with a couple different locations and a couple different feels, you know what I mean? Or possibly split it off into you know into bits. It's kind of hard to um uh, especially with just being solely independent. It's well, it's not hard to read. You just pretty much um. I just want to release some music, whether singles, whether EPs. I don't know if an album's really um, right right now for me. You know, like kind of reintroducing myself, you know, as Travis McCready and not, you know, Bishop Gunn. Um, How would you describe your sound, Travis? Like, what it, I, I haven't listened to your stuff, but now I'm going to go and <laughs> listen to it. But, like, how would you describe um, your original music? Um songs are right <laughs> and i and i have a, um, a kind of a wide liking of uh or different music you know a wide scale um so it's it's a bit genreless um but due to my you know i'm from south mississippi and um i grew up listening to gangster rap and country music you know about <laughs> south of 10 years old you know that's kind of the top 40 radio station and then and then the uh in the 90s country on another you know small town so and then you know really started to mind the rock and roll thing and everything so so uh yeah it's kind of like rock and soul you know it's like a soul music kind of vocals with an edge i suppose it would be the um the quickest way that's cool. I, I like that. Um, I like it when people can't exactly describe something like, you know, it's, I can't just say, oh, my country, my music's country or my music's rock because it's not. It's I mean, I've got everything from ragtime to, you know, to a rap and to country to straight up rock and roll in my record because I don't write in one genre. And people ask me and I can't really describe it. It's just like I call it swamp rock because I don't really know what to call it. But um, that's really cool, though. I, I look forward to hearing it. It's a, it's like I guess it would be a natural um, trajectory of you know through the evolution of things, especially now with, with Socrates, Marconi, Corso. He's something. <laughs> anyway, um, um, being that um, every, all the information in one room, if, as of now, you know, in the last twenty years, you know, with uh, YouTube and Facebook, social media, and all the you know the amount of cohesion the amount of like cultural just mountain pot that the world's kind of been you know you're kind of a product of 
what you've been exposed to writing kind of um even subconsciously or you know intuitively or or whether you kind of embrace it and just kind of all all, all the things that are that are going into your your recipe just constantly you know so i never really thought about it quite like that until now but the uh but what you're trying to explain, what I'm trying to explain, you know, is just um, it's just our um, our surroundings with high speed information and just like um, connection, right? You know, a B C D E F G and twelve semitones, you know. It's like, yeah, <laughs> and, and a couple things to write songs about. Really, I love you. I hate you. I'm struggling. It's a good day, you know. Mm-hmm. And the, like the cool part is that the world, like to hear it affirmed and repeated from different and different languages different um, accents different outfits just different regional um cultures and everything so it's just kind of everybody playing ping pong with sharing the feelings you know that's a good thing it is it's the connection with people you know it's uh it's what we do or what I enjoy the most about what we do now is that somewhere someone relates to your music. You know, there's so many people on the planet and with the internet and the ability to get out there, it's, um, it's much easier to connect with people. It's an amazing thing. I think a lot of people need that connection, especially now. Um, and I think the way people are absorbing music has changed over the last couple of years because, Prior to that, I think it was, you know, you point, click, download, and, uh, you know, you have basically come out of thin air. Whereas I think people had to pay attention a little bit more because, you know, they were at home more over the last couple of years. They were kind of pausing their life because of, you know, depending on where they lived, they had to, you know, do different things. And I think having music or any type of art form during that period helped a lot of people and i think people are are finding that connection that maybe music became too much background you know it wasn't you know you walk into a a department store you walk in anywhere music is playing and i think that lessens the connection that you feel when you when you are when you when with music because you hear it created a violation of rhythmic anticipation yeah exactly you know i mean you know but when you when you anticipate something and listen to it and connect with something lyrically um you know that song stays with you and i think over the last decade you know we music the value of music became less i'd probably even say more than a decade um and i think it's starting to to especially with the younger crowd i see it with my son who's going to be 17 in a couple weeks you know how him and his friends are connecting with music was much different than it was prior to the pandemic It's easy. It's 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 got to be easier too. I mean, it, it, just before I um tap back into this, what reminded me? I mean, I was like, last I looked at my phone, it was like because it's seven o'clock here now, or a little after. It was like seven fifty six fifty four, and I was on this drum kit back here, just playing, um, hooked up to my laptop in my little studio um, setup, playing like through backing tracks um, off of YouTube, just like drumless tracks you know so i'm rocking to that and then the speaker rocks off of here and bam 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 and then i'm like like and i run back and i'm like oh shit let's well, 658 anyway so that's right good alarm clock but um but the ability to do just that what i was just um, killing time with 
um, right before this is, is, is pretty, is pretty amazing. Uh, and I wonder what, you also wonder what it like, you know, that, 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 that necessity or that, um, luxury really could does to, you know, um, say for years ago, 30 years ago, when, you know, somebody acquiring that information or even that type of training ground, you know what I mean? Like with that, the internet can provide and everything like what, and you see it all the time, you know, I guess like, um, on youtube for years you know like some kid some other country is like eight years old and he's fucking tearing up on the guitar and that. Right. <laughs> like <Yeah>. okay <laughs> well, let's see if you can do that in a bar with drunk people aggravating you and shit <laughs> <laughs> that's so true that is true you know they're playing from the comfort of their own home they're not you know having someone yell free bird at them for two hours oh you know? my god <laughs> <laughs> but um oh, kid you know <laughs> <laughs> um you know my 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 son he plays guitar and you know i've had this conversation with him you know he was listening to, to the you know the rock guitar guys and all that kind of stuff and look, all that stuff is great you know like eddie van halen jimmy page and all that stuff and i and i said to him one night I said if you're chasing tone if you're trying to find your own tone you got to listen to everything because if you, the more you put into the stew, right, mm-hmm. the, stew, the stew's done cooking, it tastes better, right? Because nice. all that stuff's gone into that, you know? And, and uh, you know, like two days later, I go in his room, he's got John Lee Hooker CDs and Howlin' Wolf. And, and I go, that's what it's all about, man. You know, even if you're not really crazy about something, just keep listening to it, man. Learn it. Learn that feel. Yeah. Learn that tone. You naturally got to emulate in anyway, like um, been a singer, like cover, like, I, of course, I would play four hours of covers, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20, you know, probably like 25, you know, like, um, and then sneak a few songs of mine in. Cause I was always writing, but, um, those different textures of kind of almost a little bit, like a little bit of method acting when you really love a song, you don't realize you're doing it because you're kind of going to the texture and then all this, but all those different vocal tones stretched you to, to, to different, um, different different accents of, of, of music and and you kind of be cutting and pasting from that shit anyway so the when you acknowledge like some sometimes where the especially when writing a song you know or if, if a song's not reminding you of another song when you're writing it they used to turn me off and make me stop writing a song or something like oh this is already if that's not happening you're not a very good songwriter you know it's like you because <laughs> it's only like you know, so so all that, yeah. Tell him to pay attention to 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 a, to pay attention to his attention, because mm-hmm. that's what's going into his uh, recipe. Like you said, that's pretty much the whole, what my, the Gypsy Cadillac album, the concept of being a kid in a junkyard, too dumb to know you couldn't do it until you sat in the car for thirty years and <laughs> cranks up. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, uh, you know, what about you, Jen? Like, what where do you find your you know, you know, when you're presenting, when you're, when you're, when you're writing a song and you've got to, you know, you're working on the presentation of it, where does it come from for you? <laughs> um, so I only write from emotion, which I'm sure a lot of writers are like that. I've never sat down to write a song. Usually I feel something and I just wrap it. I wrap a lot of my songs first. <laughs> and then I think I've probably told you that before. Um, and then, um, 
or I have a melody in my mind. And so I sing my songs into my phone a lot because I drive all day. And uh, that's typically where I write. And I don't have like some process or there's no method to it. it. It's literally what comes out. I don't think I've written a song that I didn't write in in three to five minutes, like from front to back. I don't spend a lot of time dwelling on them like a lot of songwriters do. Um, what comes out is what you get. And the first 10 songs I wrote are on Heartbreak Queen. The second 10 songs I wrote are on Blonde Ambition. <laughs> and I've already written the next ones for um, album number three. And <clears throat> so and they're all stories and they all tell stories from my life and um, things that have happened or stories about people in my life. And so they're all, they all just come from emotion. I don't know. I don't, I don't really have a process. I think they were all written context, differently. Context, <laughs> action, and result. Huh? Said context, action, and result. Beginning, and middle, and an end. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and it, it, I don't know. I'm I'm a, I'm kind of weird, I guess, with writing. It's uh, I, I've never written a love song either. That's something I'm not good at. So, um, which uh, I've been pretty unlucky in that oh. seems in my life. So I don't know a lot about it. But I've written a lot of angry shit. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> and everybody's like, "You're so sweet." I'm like, "Yeah, not on the inside. There's a lot of evil." <laughs> well, it's therapy, right? Like I mean, it, I mean, that's what writing is for for an artist is therapy right i mean you get all that get all that angst get all that anger and emotion out like that's uncomfortable Atlantis, more sad, huh? like, <laughs> mm-hmm. that would be oh yeah jagged little pills are my favorite albums all the time yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um the writing on that god how old is that album 20 25 years old um around yeah, there i don't want to talk about it <laughs> yeah but it, but it, but it's still i mean the lyrics still resonate though i mean of course you know, when do. you when you tap into something like that Man, that never goes away. I mean, that stays forever. When we cover, um, you know, Alanis Morissette or, oh my gosh, even like we cover shares sometimes just to do something different. I, I do a lot of different covers. Um, we don't play a lot of covers in our show, but when we do, it's always something odd. But, you know, that people connect to that stuff like crazy. It, it, it still blows my mind, these older songs, but they're classics for a reason, you know. Um, I know I do. And now I see young people, you know, teenagers even you know, singing along with songs from our childhood. Um, and I think that's absolutely wonderful. It was like less words. Sometimes it was less words. Um, sometimes more words because you get repetitive nowadays, but at the same time, less words, like these little, I call it that, like there was something about the simple country wit. <laughs> I got the, she got the gold mine. I got the shafts. Like, yes, no yes. More. No more, you know, like, like those, uh, and then, you know, they dress it up in detail and all through the verses. Like, damn, they just dropped this. Yeah. It's little, perfect. Like, That's what people simplify the world. So you know simple. what I mean? Or, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. How do you, how do you both, when you write music, how do you stay connected with a song that, you wrote three years ago, two years ago, you know, because obviously there was that connection at that moment when you wrote it, but you, you evolve over time. And I've always said a good talk about the one we don't. You. <laughs> What's that? Let's talk about the one we don't. You ever report something like, what the fuck was I thinking? Yeah. Yeah, say that out loud. But no, but like, like, how do you stay connected with, with like, you know, cause I always say like, you know, a good song evolves with you. Right. You know, I mean, it may have that meaning three years ago, but as you evolve in a different and have different situations, it takes on a different meaning. Do you ever find that happening with your music? Totally. 
I didn't want to step over you, but yeah, I, um, I mean, mine all are written about my life, so I'm not going to lose that connection or things that have happened. So they all take me to that place every time, but yeah, there are songs I've written that I wrote about someone else or something else that happened, but then something else will happen. And I'm like, dang, I got a song for that, you know? So, um, I don't know. I don't ever feel disconnected from my songs. I haven't had that experience yet. You hadn't read the love song either. <laughs> exactly. That's probably why. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, you described your music, Jen, as swamp rock, which I think is a really good way to define it. And I keep thinking now, ever since you said that, beginning of the conversation, I'm thinking of that song, uh, Pulp Salad Annie. Um, oh, Joe White. Yeah, Billy Joe White and Tony Joe White. Tony Joe White. Yeah, that's right. And 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 man, when I think of that song, and I think of that his distinct voice and the tone of that song, it was originally I think a uh, an Elvis song, wasn't it? And, uh, he no, he wrote it. He wrote it. Okay. Yes, he wrote that one, and because um, everybody calls it. A couple. Elvis did a few of his songs for old times' sake. Um, probably, I'm pretty sure he did Rainy Night in Georgia. That was his. Um, he was the songs of his were more famous. His, his songs were more famous, the kind of first from others, and then he got like kind of more, um, um, I guess, cred along the way. He passed a couple of years ago. He was um, he lived uh, near me and when I lived in Tennessee. Uh, he used to see him at the yacht. The little gas station man, he come out of a rehearsal one day. And dried uh, out. A friend of mine, a mutual friend up there. Yeah, and I'll never forget, he said, uh, Man, you got a cool ass man. But she did all right. <laughs> <just> like, <laughs> yeah, his voice was so unique. Man. It was like so, like, like man, you heard his voice and you were like, Bam, like so powerful. <laughs> I know, man. He was awesome. Yeah. It, you know, swamp rock, you know, has all those elements of country and blues and soul and you know all those things that kind of go. Free that's kind of uh, like, yeah. You know, I'm not gonna say like, yeah, they were definitely influenced, you know, especially not, you know, they kind of got into the, you know, something, um, um, you know, kind of groove, I guess, and stuff, you know, so kind of influence to them. You hear a lot of Tony Joe and, um, and uh, Credence, you know, they they toured together. He opened for like, um, early on. You know, early on, you know, so it's kind of like right in the same lane of what, you know, the texture blend, you know. There's, a, there's an old concert poster I just saw like two, two weeks ago. It was Zeppelin, Janis Joplin, Tony Joe White, Credence, and I think it was Grand Funk on the same bill. That's not really, yeah. Yeah, that was, I mean, that's an incredible bill when you think about who's on that thing, you know? Just, uh, I think it was 69 or 70 back in, uh, I want to say, Monterey, California. Um, oh, Monterey Pop Festival. I think it, I, I don't know if it was the pop festival or some other festival. I think it was with Dan the Green, maybe. All right, I got you. Yeah. yeah. No, Otis did that one. <laughs> did that uh, pop? Monterey popped out. It probably been like sixty-seven, sixty-eight. Uh, yeah, that was with Hendrix too. I think too, as well. Um, as far as though you know, when you guys think of the state of music right now, 
you know, and, and you guys being a part of it and, you know, going through the recording process, the touring process, all that stuff, you know, it's a different ball game now than it was years ago. Um, you know, how, how do you, how do you maintain, you know, cause you're getting pulled in different directions. You've got a tour to make money. You know, how do you maintain that, you know, that flow, like you said, Jen, you know, you, you write when you feel something, when you're getting pulled in different directions, is that make it more difficult to do that? When it's, when it's not an option, like for one, and, and when you wouldn't allow it to be an option for two. Yeah. And then so on and so forth from there. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of difficult to answer for me. I mean, I feel like I don't ever sleep and I run in 20 billion different directions, but when it, nothing ever stops me from writing, when something hits me, it just happens, you know? Um, and I think when music's in your soul, and you can't couldn't escape it if you wanted to. You don't really have much of a choice. Um, but it, I mean, <clears throat> it's hard managing everything. When you think about social media, uh, for example, I mean, I'm up two, three, four in the morning, responding to everybody, liking posts. It, I mean, between Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. I mean, it's like I feel like I'm losing my mind. But I really put a lot of effort into that stuff, and it's starting to really work for us. But there's a lot that goes into this business now. It's not just going and playing gigs and showing up for radio interviews or recording music with social media. It's a whole other animal and you're not making any money at that. I mean, none of that stuff really pays at this level of band, you know? So um, it's just a lot of dedication and uh, yeah, I don't know. I think you just do it somehow make time for those things. Or if you're like me, you just get mad and write a song. It just comes out of you. You know, it's got to be, you know, when you when you want to become a musician, become an artist and start writing music and performing. The last thing you guys are probably thinking is, man, I got to sit on the computer and I got to connect with fans, too, as well. I mean, that's I not really part school for that. But what's that? <laughs> I said I'd have stayed in school for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, but when you're doing it, it's like it, it's like this unexpected I don't want to use the word burden because I don't think it's a burden, but it's like an unexpected part of the business that you have to really pay attention to. And, you know, people, you know, members of bands, artists, you know, they're not social media gurus. So it's like you want to just write your music and perform your music. And you spend a lot of time. I call it chasing. Right. You're chasing bands because that's how you grow your fan base now is you you. um you know, you, you connect with people on the internet, you develop relationships with people and that all factors into the music when the music comes out, but that's gotta be, I mean, you gotta do that every day. I mean, that's gotta be something that, you know, at, at some point, I, I don't know how honest you guys want to be, or you're kind of like, man, this is not what I signed up for. I just want to play music. You know what I mean? <laughs> It's exhausting. There was a point at Christmas because I, I've hired people to do that before or tried to. And then I realized that wasn't going to work that I genuinely had to connect with people and share my stories in my life or they weren't going to want to listen, you know, and because at the end of the day, someone out there is going to like your music. You know, there's so many people on the planet. Now you can build a fan base, but it, it's not really the music. They have to fall in love with you. 
at the end of the day for, for the super fan that you're looking for. Right. Um, it takes so much time and effort. I, I can't tell you how many times a day I'm on social media responding. I work two jobs and I'm a mom. And so at night, you know, I didn't go to bed till four 30 this morning because I was putting together a video for social media and responding to people in across the country that were still awake or in Australia and the UK. And it's just constant response to fans, you know, and it's like, and they're all like, thank you so much. I can't believe you responded to my message. But I know that by doing that stuff, I'm building this long-term connection to people. But there was a time at Christmas when I just said bye after a week. I was like, I spend 24 hours a day, all year long, giving everything I have to everybody. I, I, I got to take a break for a moment. Yeah, yeah. And I looked at our numbers, um, you know, because I keep track of insights on all of our social media and music. And they went down for that week. I mean, it was like everybody just stopped paying attention. And so this week I'm I'm back at it, you know, and I'm like nonstop, but it's crazy that if you don't keep that engagement going now, it it doesn't stay like that. It doesn't just keep building, you know? So um, at this level, you know, once you, I think once you reach a certain spot, you know, you think, Oh, well, you'll just have a fan base, but Someone's still running their socials. Someone's still helping them I connect think, because you I'd have say to. Like regardless, regardless of the algorithms, mm-hmm. like I guess one thing would, would be to kind of leave leave them with uh, some kind of intimate video or or something new, some kind of content, you know, for mm-hmm. like a, you know, like I'm not saying it's even going to slow down like the engagement because it's only one thing to engage with, but. But yeah, like you could also allow, it also allows it to manifest and like maybe even savor the flavor of that, you know, particular, um, it could be, I'm saying that could, that could be a good thing. Like, um, and then just the, the amount of the algorithms, the, the, the stats, uh, you know, the, that you're talking about would be, yeah. Um, it, you know, just be for less information. It doesn't mean that the, that that one that the, that what's that some of the information is any less safe. And I guess I'm just thinking out loud. Like, no, you're you're. I know what you're saying though. And you know, it's crazy. From that week that I kind of stepped back, I didn't post for six days, which is a long time because I I'm always on our stories, and you know, I have a band. I post about all of them. You know, I keep people engaged. But when I came back to social media after six days, our engagement shot through the roof it was like all of a sudden people had missed you for a moment and then like like, all of a sudden I put yeah I posted something got like 1100 likes and like you know next one was nine something and I mean just I was like (laughs) what does that and not boosting posts either because as you you know we've got I don't know some 57,000 followers on Instagram and Facebook but like they don't show people your stuff you can post something but if you don't boost it no one sees it (laughs) wow yeah, it just, you know, I, I, I've met a lot of the new bands and, and talk with a lot of them. And, you know, I can just tell they want to play music. They want to tour. They want to write music. And, you know, they got to constantly feed that beast, which is social media. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's almost as important as the music you're releasing. You know, I mean, you can have a great song, but if you're not doing anything with it, no one's going to hear it. So you got to go out and chase it. And, you know, and chase down people to listen to this song. Obviously, you still I still think radio has some influence on on what happens. I think people discard radio um, and they shouldn't because there's bands that have 
been pushed into serious satellite radio on their stations and have blown up on those stations. And then the streams start coming and following those, you know, right. like when you're in the car and you hear a, a band song, you know, if you like them, you're going to go on their social media when you had time and check them out. So it's almost like radio still kind of leads it in a way, you it know, you almost, in particular. Yeah. yeah. You just need someone pushing your music on satellite radio college radio bigger markets and then then the streams start following that i i almost believe that to be true more than chasing a stream you know it is very true it, it the money it takes for right because i spend it a lot it's uh for radio push is insane even in just small markets and a lot of bands don't have that unfortunately but you're right you can put out all the music you want but if you don't put some some effort behind that and that includes money and a lot of time people don't see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it'd really, the same as like, it'd be the same as like a song would exist either way, but then there's your song. Right. You know what I mean? Like, um, so to play both, you know, um, to play, I guess there was time when I would play covers like that. I'll, I tend to do like two hour show now, like and play like five covers, maybe through, you know, like, um, but there was a time where you played covers to be able to boost your, you know, throw some of your stuff in. So, like, in a way, I guess, um, not that either or the radio to social media or whatever, would, it's, it's kind of um, a way of participating in, um, in two infrastructures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I talked a lot about that, too, as well, with, you know, the infrastructure within a band you know, the infrastructure that an artist has, you know, I mean, it's so important because, you know, you've got to have one person doing the social media. You've got to have one person, you know, handling management requests or PR requests or whatever it is, because one person can't do it all, you know, and, you know, it, it can be tough. And it's almost like the drummer becomes this person on the back end and the bass player is this person on the back end. And, and uh, you know, it just it can really be difficult to manage that, especially a, a new band you're trying to get noticed. I, I always talk to you about, you know, radio is the radio is the currency, right? You want the currency with radio and then the payoff is the streams, you know? And of course you got, you want to be touring. I mean, Jen, the last time you and I spoke, gosh, April, I think it was maybe 2020. Um, you had mentioned that you were playing everywhere. You were driving everywhere to, mm-hmm. to do a gig to get, you know, even if you, you captured five fans at that show, you know, yeah. it was something that was important to you guys as a band to do that, to go and, 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 and play in front of whoever you could play with. Has that, is that still your, your attitude towards things that you're still your mantra of just play anywhere in front of any, anyone? Well, you know, we had been across the country, I think four times at that point. And yeah, we, we played for free our first year as a, when you're my, you know, I front my band, but I also founded my band. So I pay my players, no matter where we play, if we play yeah. for free, which we have, I pay them anyway. Um, they're great people. I, my band's freaking amazing. Um, and they will walk through hell with me and I'm very grateful for that. But yeah, like we, we don't do it so much like that anymore now that we are getting booked for big gigs. Um, but 
we show up. I mean, we're going to North Dakota Fest. I mean, I think it pays 500 bucks, you know, and that doesn't even pay two of my players. So we're going to go anyways, 28 hours one way. And, you know, we show up when now, though, we don't we haven't ever really played bars, but, you know, because I'm involved. And I just like, I set my sights higher and I was like, you know what? No, we're going to come out playing festivals, even if I have to play for free. And, and that's what we did. But um, but yeah, we still show up at everything. I go to every music conference I can go to. I showcase everywhere I can go to. I'll pay to play. If, if, it, if I think people big enough are going to be there, I'm going to pay to play. Like if you if you'll let me come show you what we do. That's what I'm going to do. So yeah, I still have that mentality. It's just on a bigger scale now. Um, we only do now big fairs, big festivals. Um, but and the fan base that we're playing for is typically bigger. Uh, opening slots are huge for us. Um, so any major I can open for, we're going to show up. I don't care if we're getting paid or not. I'm going to work my day job hard and take care of my band. Like that's kind of my like philosophy because I know we're getting there. It's, you know, it's working for us. Um, so I, I see a lot of musicians worry about the the gig money every week. And I get that. If that, if you're a full-time musician, that's how you make money. That's hard. Um, but that's just not my philosophy. I'm like, no, nah, we're going to show up and play no matter what, you know, I'm going to find a way. So so yeah, I guess it is. It's just on a bigger scale now. Mm-hmm. You know, because I know you guys are playing. I saw Wisconsin. I saw Colorado. Mm-hmm. You know, I oh, saw. Yeah. You know, you guys are you guys are pretty much tracking everywhere to 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 you know open doors for well, yourselves or whatever you know. And well, fans. I mean, and we are getting like paid a good bit to play most of the time, um, way more than I ever expected. But the way you know, I. I showcased us. It cost me 11,000 in showcases to get us there. So there's a lot behind the scenes that we do. And I probably shouldn't tell all this stuff, but, but I put a lot of effort into getting us in front of bigger people. Um, And so, but yeah, we, we, we were Colorado, Wyoming, North Dakota, Wisconsin. I mean, I I was in Chicago um, and uh, Tennessee, all the way down to Florida. We were just in Texas. Uh, You know, I was in 10 States in five days uh a few weeks ago so like where where uh, are you from north carolina north carolina okay mm-hmm. yeah so so i do i mean we've only been a band three and a half years and this is our second album i'm putting out and but just to give you a an idea i spent ninety seven thousand dollars this summer on tour that's how much it cost me to get my band around the country and that's after we got paid for gigs so but i was so determined to do it because we signed those contracts you know in 2019 before COVID and when it all rescheduled, they were not in a line anymore. So one day I'd be here and the next day I'd be in Kansas. Then I'd be in, you know, North Dakota, then Texas, then Colorado. So I'm spending all this money getting my band there, but I promised people I would. So I worked my job so hard. I about killed myself, but now everybody's booking us back and paying us double. So <laughs> like it, it worked out. It just was like, you know, figuring it all out. So I don't know. I I just keep pushing it one way or the other. I don't know. I don't really know what I'm doing some days. You know, I just am doing it. I don't know. It probably doesn't make sense. And that's probably very honest, but it's the truth. You know, when you talk about the amount of money that you spent and we talked about streams and, you know, putting money into social media, you know, do you feel that that is, if you're going to spend your money, that is the way to do it is to get on a tour or, or go play places and spend your money building a fan base when people see you live instead of trying to you know trace or 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 track down followers on social media do you think that that is more impactful for you as a band 
I think that you, that one without the other is pretty futile. I think you have to do both. I just do like I I've done one. I tried one and then I've tried just the other and either way they do. Okay. But when you do them together, that's where you, that's where it comes in. So I spend a lot of money on social media. I spend a lot of money putting us on the road because when people see us live, they don't forget it. And you know that people go see a show. We talked about this before. They don't go to listen to a show. I can pop somebody's CD in all day long, but I want to see a show. So mm-hmm. when I remember a show, I saw a band called Rain Wolf not long ago. I don't know. If oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Freaking amazing. I'm going to tell you, they opened for a bigger band. Yes. Yes. They're great. Don't get me wrong. Love them. I went to see them. Rainwolf blew my mind. And our show is very interactive. I mean, we put on a name show, okay? And I, this band, I will never forget. That's the kind of show I want to put on because I'm telling you, that's what builds your fan base. People message me all the time. They're like, best band I've ever seen, best band I've ever seen. And I'm like, us? Yeah, but that's because I gave them everything I had on stage. Fiddle players on the ground, guitars jump around. You know, we're just like crazy people. I don't care if you like it or not, but you won't forget it. And I, I find that that's the way you build a fan base. People remember you when you've really put on a show. Um, so we put a lot of effort into that and social media. It's uh, it's exhausting, like I said. <laughs> so. Yeah, you know, when I think of like bands that I've seen over the last couple of years, the, you know, the Struts comes to mind. Um, mm. they're, they're absolutely fantastic live. I mean, they put on that show, you know, that's just electrifying. You know, they're, 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 you know, the Luke Spiller, the lead singer is just, it's just, uh, we did the, uh, a cruise together and then, um, open for them and, uh, the Trebindo in Paris, <laughs> La Trebindo in Paris. Yeah. They're, Luke, Luke, they're all good guys, but great show. You guys played France with them? Yeah. Awesome. What's what's it like uh, for you, Travis? I mean, you know, obviously Bishop Gunn, you know, we did did the Swan Song album, you know, Gypsy Cadillac, you know, after you guys disbanded, and now you're kind of starting over. Um, Well, the album, I mean, that was, I mean, that was done to, to, um, I mean, that was done to go further, you know. Yeah. Hits the delay, you know, like on the release. Because, but um, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just saying, you know, with your new music, because you've sent me a couple demos, and uh, you know, when you're writing now with yourself and you're creating, you know, and you're and you have that sense of of a beginning now, right? It's it, this is like a new beginning for you. You know what are what are the different you know elements and and and, and ways that you're maybe see things differently now that you're on your own versus being ambitious. Not a lot on, not a lot on the writing process besides, cause we never really like wrote as a band, like, but would more or less say like the architecture, the framing, and then, you know, like the, the, the we would, you know, um, like the, the siding, the trim, let's say just speaking of like building something, the paint, the roof, the, you know what I mean? It was just like different ingredients, like, but the, 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 the foundation, the, the frame and all, I, I would either write, I, I'd write with, uh, there was about two people I would uh, write with a lot or often when I was living in Tennessee. It was probably a co-write on 
two, probably two or three co-writes at least on um, each album. And then the EP being all um, prior writing. There's a lot of prior writing to all that. Like some of the, some of the songs of Gypsy Cat, like Ann Natchez, you know, I've written 17, 18, 20 years old, you know. And then I like to say that the difference between like sometimes a country song and a rock song is your fuzz pedal. <laughs> and, and the drummer's intensity, you know. Right. So I would write like 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 um the Nat like a lot of the stuff on the Natchez album and then stuff that was prior I would kind of reinvent along in the in the in the in the um kind of gear I was writing in at that time. So like in, in which was I would write on acoustic guitar on the couch, you know, or something and then and you know, a lot more would be the the groove of you know the beat and everything would be in there and i'm kind of more negative space just chunking on an acoustic and most of it's going on in my head um kind of which leads the phrasing and the intensity of all that and then go to the demo room like a the spare room in the house and then you know record it to a metronome just me and then maybe do kind of coach the drummer along this is the intensity because you're doing it over an acoustic guitar but i'm gonna you know, or first I do it like say the acoustic and then sing it, you know, kind of with a little bit of, with an intensity that's more than the acoustic kind of leads the drummer to, to the, um, to the momentum, you know, and that's always going to get more as I'm going to stack another, go stack your bass in here, your guitar, you know, and then all of a sudden, then I go sing it back to a full band. And then all of a sudden we have a template for, for, um, rehearsal or something, you know, and it's like show up to rehearsal. It's like, yeah, this one's one I wrote the other day and, We've been stacking these tracks in here to just kind of paint the picture, and then let's get on here and then on the on the stage in our little rehearsal space and bring it to life, kind of like you know that with all our ingredients, you know the the, the, the notes, the kind of the and then 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 there would always be parts added and like maybe we go you know then it goes from there, but it's so the writing process hasn't um, changed a lot. It just take the people playing around you changes the oh, yeah. portrayal of, of the song, you know, and then that's the hope, you know, you, it, but having picked, you know, the type of people that you're playing with and, um, um, <laughs> intentionally and kind of like, you know, this, that's your um, ingredients you picked and that, and I hope that that's where you want the song to go or you'd be okay with, you know, how it how however that um sounds or looks you know you, you always got a guitar with you like you do now and you're always playing is that all is that by design is that you just you just you know strum, no, strum the guitar whenever you're hobbies, man. I, I don't have hobbies man I, um I, have, I usually have like five guitars and two amps stuffed in um my suv you there yeah can you hear me <laughs> you probably hear my three-year-old pitter pattern. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think you, are you locked up, Travis. Did we lose yeah, a low battery? Just okay. There you go. Cut me off. But I usually have <laughs> so many at least acoustic. Uh, it's um four and on. You know, he's, he's, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Can you hear me? 
just yeah. now. Yeah. So you're anyway, saying you, you, you left off, you got about five guitars with you at all times. At all times, man. Just like, and that's way too many. I usually only play on one or two, you know, I need an electric or an acoustic, just wherever I'm at, just to kind of, I'm always filing and um, writing music and writing words. And when I want to, when I want a certain type of song, I'll kind of go and move my index and kind of this fits there. This, that's kind of how it's, um, been for a um you know several years and then there's some spontaneous writing you know you didn't even mean to fucking write a song you were just kind of um sorry um yeah that's probably the third if bomb i'm dropped and anyway you didn't even mean to write a song and then sometimes that's um but you were just kind of jamming having fun and then started writing stuff down there is no template just um enthusiasm you know and work ethic, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> when you're when you're writing, you know, for both of you guys, when you're when you're writing, you mentioned you got to feel it. You got to, you know, you got to be, you know, have that experience to write about. Um, do you ever need time to? Do you ever sit down and, and write a song that you think you should write, and you're not ready to write that song yet? No, you'll have to answer that one. I have not done that. Um, let me see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and no, like, I just can't. Um, I want to say yeah, because, like, it's like, why the hell has that night? And then I, I probably tried to write it for as best as I could. And maybe, um, but I've, I've, definitely, I've definitely written songs kind of about where I wanted to be or, or, you know, where maybe a small, um, ref, you know, reflection in your perception, that's how it related to you, like, if, as looking at that situation, which isn't totally wrong, it's just not merited yet, you know? Like, some Wheels, I'd written, it's on the Natchez album, and it's it's about, you know, the, the traveling tour and stuff, you know? And when I wrote that shit, you know, I mean, there was, I was traveling but you know it wasn't like it ended up like you know it's like well oh this is what i was writing that song about you know you know the few that you know just going back and forth here and along riding the car here and there you know that wasn't traveling far as um you know having a song to write you know when you when you do when you do begin that process um do you ever, are you the type of writer that doesn't stop until you write that song or do you, do you stop and put it down for a bit and maybe, you know, come back to it? Um, thus far, I've been, I pretty much write that song right then. <laughs> um, I haven't written, I can't think of anything that I, I started and put down and came back to. Like it just poured out of me. Um, every single song has been that way and they're all different. I mean, if you, you probably listen to some of our music, I mean, there'll be a ballad and then there'll be a flat out rock song. And then, you know, this new record has bluegrass on it. And I don't know. I just, I just write. And yeah, no, I haven't put a song down and came back to it. I think the reason is if I've started writing something and I didn't finish it right then in my mind, it sucked. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, that wasn't a good idea. And then I never go back to it. Really? Um, uh-huh. Yep. And I, I don't, yeah, I've never, 
every song that I've finished, which usually happened in three to five minutes, has been recorded or is being recorded. <laughs> so, um, you know, they end up being what I thought were good songs or what my producer thought were good songs anyway, or people seem to dig it, but I'm sure I'll... You ever, can you hear me? Huh? Am I back? Am I back? There you are. Yeah, you're there. Do you ever um, pick up songs that you're kind of like almost chapters that, you know, because some, maybe you're not there yet for that song, like he was initially asking. Um, um, like, you know, and then pick it up, like, and then, you know, and it's almost like a staged, like, like stages, like written in kind of chapters. Like you might finish this, uh, you might pick one. If you're not doing that, then um, don't count it off. Don't write it off. And Oh no. Because, I, you know, it's I, like, update, it's like maturing, like you're maturing your, um, marinating. It's a cool thing with like maturity. And then like, and then, um, the the uh, the mm-hmm. simplicity like that you were thinking from prior mixed with the wisdom that's kind of shit you know written over like years and years because I mean if you wrote a yeah. verse and you started on it then you can always pull that up or maybe right. you just wrote a verse that pertains to a different song you know like and um to and you and you did and that's the favorite part you had of that song that you kind of skipped out on but you're like mm-hmm. oh shit i've done that a thousand times because you're writing you're writing conceptually like i'll find like sometimes when it comes to make an album like it's just they're already in order like kind of um like it's mm-hmm. or close because that's you are in a um you're in like and even for over years but it's still like just maybe it, it swoops over to a category that you that you nailed the first time principally or whatever, you know, and you just, mm-hmm. and that mindset was right, but it, it's, yeah. Well, I don't think I ever stopped writing a song or I never started a song that I didn't. No, I one, there's one I can think of that I, I started humming in my car and then I didn't finish. That was one, but everything else that I've written and I have not been a songwriter for long. So I'll tell you that, like, I didn't, and I'm, I'm old. I'm not going to say how old I am, but I, um, I started late in life writing. And so I didn't even know I could really write, you know, I was classically trying to sing opera. I wanted to be on Broadway. I didn't want, you know, I'm a mezzo soprano. I I'd never imagined I'd be singing country or rock and roll. And so um, this ha- developed later in life for me. And now, you know, like I said, I, Diamonds and Whiskey is only three and a half, four years old. So it's just kind of a new thing. And I don't really know what I'm doing. And instead of trying to put like a process to it, I think I'm, I don't know, just throwing it out there. I mean, not really, but I am like, I feel like everything I've written again, I just write it and finish it. You know what they call that, right? What? You know what they call that, right? They call that art. (laughs) Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, well then, that's what I do. I do art. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, I say music's like the freak, musical frequencies. Sometimes are like a good, you know, a good, um, uh, a good foreplay for the message. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you know, to the just to the to the to the conception. Like you can sometimes less is more, and then somebody's brain will paint the rest. Right. Well, all, like I said, every song that I have, all of Heartbreak Queen, they're all true stories. They're all just for moments in my life, my past. I Blonde Ambition is is more 
present and what's going on. And, and then about my family or my dad passed this year and I'd already written a song about him. It's called warrior and, um, it's straight up rock and roll. Um, and then songs about my, my uncle, my granddad, my grandmother. Um, so this one's a very like family record, but all about being a badass. Um, so, you know, I I'd feel like, like to hear that one. It's pretty, I, I think dad, you'll dig my it. Dad passed, my dad passed last year and I'd written a song. It's on Gypsy Cadillacs called On My Way um, about um, kind of me and him. And we worked together for a long time, like for like nine years. Um, anyway, and like, but it was, it was, it was prior to his death, less than a year. But it was kind of about basically like having that song for him before he left, you know, before he passed, just not, you know, just like as an eventual right. kind of life, life kind of thing. But um, yeah, but he, uh, I got to play it for him in some festivals, you know, before it's like a less than a year before it's released. So he is, he had took that. What's the oh, name of the I'm song? I'm sorry about your loss. You too. What's the name of the song you said? That, but? Warrior. All right. Yeah. My dad only had one arm and he was, he was a badass. He was amazing. And um, yeah. So, but I wrote it before he died and he, he got to hear it before he died and he loved it. So I'm really glad that he did. Yeah. Loss is, um, you know, I, I think of the story that Wolfgang Van Halen tells about the song he wrote for his father, Eddie, before he passed. And, you know, it, it kind of helps you get through those moments when you're, man, when, you know, when, when you're, you're sad, I mean, the sadness is darkness and you're trying to look for a way out and, you know, being able to write a song like that or connecting with a song like that is, is very powerful. Right. That's so true. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm eating. I haven't gotten to eat today, so I had to grab a bite. <laughs> hey, yeah, by the way, what is, uh, I can see y'all, but is this like, uh, because I didn't really dress up. <laughs> no, this will be audio only, so don't worry about it, Travis. I'll take care of you. <laughs> I'm in yoga pants. There's, so. there's enough swag in this room laying around me. I can probably yeah. <laughs> no, so this will be this will be audio only. Um, but I do like the Soundgarden shirt, so kudos to you on that. Nice. Uh, as far as you know, as you guys move forward, you know, I mean. Diamonds and Whiskey has the new album out. You know, Travis, you're still like creating what you're going to release and and have that out this year. Hopefully, you know, how do you guys feel about what you know the direction you guys are in right now? Well, I felt pretty good until the way you just described it. Man, that was, <laughs> that was <so> good. <laughs> Man yeah. I don't know. Like I said, I don't have hobbies. I don't know. Sit still very well. You know, um, just, we're put here to work. Even the ants know that, you know, and it's just like, and, I, and I've known my lane for a long time. So, hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, to I not feel... swing a hammer, to not, to not, yeah, to not, um, to not fit still, to not go back to the shop, basically. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that in our, in our last conversation about uh, about your your uh, your job before you became a musician. All I was a musician the whole time was just, you know, I'd play. That was at night, 
Well, you were, yeah, you were a musician, but then you were, became a working musician. You didn't didn't need to do that job anymore. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes that would, when it was both, sometimes that would get you, uh, you know, uh, sometimes that would create some rifts in the shop, you know, like, (laughs) it's like, you know, your working buddies are out there. You know, this is like 17, 18, 19, playing in these uh, bars and stuff, you know, we're working like 10, 12 hour days and you see your boss there, he's all happy, but hung over the next morning. And saw, you know, so who the hell you think you are? <laughs> <laughs> so imagine the football field, the, uh, the, that's the, you know, the, sh- the shop and being, um, I was pretty extra. So it was uh, interesting. <laughs> but as, as far as, you know, where you guys are both headed, you know, what excites you about what's what's coming? Um, I'm excited <laughs> that we're going to be in a bus this year. <laughs> um, I'm like, it's like every little milestone that we get to is um, makes me feel like we're doing something right. Um, yeah, I'm excited to play bigger gigs, open it for Travis Stritt, and you know, a lot of big names, like I said. So I'm. I don't know. I'm excited to release this music and see how it does. Cause I feel like the production on this new record is insane. The first record was really raw. I mean, you listen to heartbreak queen. That was just me and my two bandmates at the time. And this record is extremely, I don't want to say overproduced, but it's, it's incredible. It's a lot going into it. Um, so I'm excited to see the difference and, and how that's going to do versus what's going on now. And um yeah, I don't know. I'm just excited for things to keep moving forward. I just like every year, I just try to push push us upward and onward. Amen. What about you, Travis? You, you know, I mean, I know you've got some good stuff that you've written. You've got some, you know, things that you're going to be working on. You know, what excites you about that stuff? I mean, obviously, you know, you're you're the man now. I mean, you're the name that's in, you know, Travis McCready. You know, you're no longer in Bishop Gunn. So what's the difference and what's the excitement for you on that? Well, it's the same um, because I like having people play, and uh, and, I'm, and I have some guys playing with me, and that's what I'm. You know, I love. I prefer to. That hits a a, uh, a important spot, you know, in making me. Um, I guess making me uh, need to be, you know, is is is. As good as as good as you can, you know. It's just like any, you know, just the the the, the camaraderie, the the leadership aspect, you know, um, all that pushes you and um, turns some switches, you know, that otherwise wouldn't if it was just. It's even like if you know, it's, I have you know, my there's there's just my name and then you know, and then this Travis McCready and the Tramp. Um, but it's, I don't know, it still has to kind of always be the same family atmosphere. It's just, um, yeah. Is that is that important for both of you to have that comfort of having that family atmosphere? Because you guys do spend, you know, a lot of time with each other. You're recording music, you're, you're playing music with each other, you're playing in different states on tour. There has to be that element of comfort. And, you know, if you have that family atmosphere, it probably makes it, it probably makes your create you know creative process a lot easier too. You know, when you're not definitely stressed out. Definitely the betrayal. Yeah. Definitely the betrayal, you know, because you're um 
you don't want to be in a shit marriage and you go on the <laughs> church and Sunday, you know what I mean? Just like um, being in a band is a marriage. Like yeah. You know what I mean? Like everything's that's, you know, it's, that would be, and not, it doesn't even have to be a riff there, but if there's no, but if it's not genuine is what I'm saying. So that, that, that comparison goes a couple of ways um, to where like, you know, you just, you, you when the only time you and this guy have a moments when you walk over and, and, kind of hit a lick together and look at each other and look you know what I mean like you see the over uh just kind of um not over rehearsed but just the you know the just the you know on you know they don't hang out <laughs> right <laughs> you know like like you know and, and that's that's you know that's all that's all right if that's your thing but uh so um I don't know I like the um Again, the the team kind of like um, almost all for one, one for all kind of just it's just more, a little more purpose when when it's person there's some personal agency involved, you know. Yep, I completely agree. Is that um, you know does that come? Do you know that? Do you feel that when you first start playing with with other musicians, or do you do, does that take time? Well, it takes time to merit a certain mm-hmm. um, feeling, but right. but then there's an initial feeling that um, you know that uh, you know um, I guess that first chemistry. Even, you, even when you know somebody you like play, but it's still like you know it's it's relationship wise, man. I mean, like especially for like a songwriter who's it's like yeah i need it's like calling in people in the operating room when you baby <laughs> you know like and and you want it but you want it to be you know you want to take and the thing is you want to take care of their um same situation they're same you know whatever's as as um as a, uh, just solid trustworthy person you know so it just it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of elements to that man for me you know especially just it, it, it um i grew up with lots of brothers and sisters and just kind of big family stuff and it just uh yeah it's best yeah, yeah they become your family for sure on the road and you want to get along with them <laughs> Not just get along with them, but feel close to them. You know, there's also that element too. You know, you you hear of stories of bands from rock and roll lore of not getting along and needing that tension to create. Um, you know, I guess there's two trains of thought on that. Is yeah, you know, you want to embrace that, or two, you don't want they to embrace it. Shot very long. <laughs> What's that? That they hadn't worked in a shop very long. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you see those guys 12 hours a day seven days a week for months at a time sometimes <laughs> and uh you know well i just think of that, that the beatles documentary that's out now and that tension that existed between all them you know and you know there's that there's that argument that says you know without that tension they would never have been who they were you know and and i guess yeah in some ways that there people are right but 
The other ways is, you know, would they have been able to do that without that tension? It's an interesting question. Right. I think as musicians, we're passionate in general and emotional creatures, typically. Um, I'm the least emotional person in my band, and they would tell you that. But Brandon and my guitarist, who I consider, I mean, my backbone, basically, we're like an old married couple. And I tell everyone in my band this, there are going to be days when we don't like each other. You can't spend that much time with somebody and not at some point get annoyed with something that they do. It's just virtually impossible. Um, but being grown up to under, enough to understand that um, is the important thing. But playing with people that you genuinely love at their core. Do you know what I mean? Like you can look past a lot um, if you love that person and their heart and, and what they stand for. And I think at the end of the day, that's what it is with my band. Like there's six of us. I love every single one of them, the person that they are, because they're amazing people. Now, they may have quirky things or we may get at each other sometimes because that's going to happen. But at the end of the day, we love each other. There's nobody else I want to play with, you know, and I think that's how it works for us. And Brandon and I, some days we want to murder each other, you know, and then two hours later, we're back to what are you doing tomorrow? You coming over? You know, it's just like one of those things. And he's been with me forever. It's just it's a marriage. I mean, that's the way I see all of my relationships. My fiddle player, Emily, she's a girl and most girls don't get along in bands, but we're polar opposites. Peace is a myth, man. It's not human nature. Now what's, what's, what is possible is healthy discourse in order, you know, which is a cycled maintenance that, you know, I mean, you'll, you'll, this, you'll conflict, whether you create it or the other, I mean, that'll happen at a family reunion. This is like your, if you stay there long enough, right. This is your home, and this is your home base. You know what I mean? This is the, uh, so mm-hmm. um, like there's, there's, yeah, there's this human impulse and that's one of them. And it's just like, and it's, it's, it's subconscious. Like you, there's a, uh, that's why it's best to just stay busy and um, keep the conflicts. Right. And keep the conflicts. Um, and, and minimalize that when you think and on the same side, you know, like um, that placeholder can be, you know, can be uh, managed a little better, you know, than some than people tend to do. And that's literally relationships, I guess, one on one. Is it is it important for you both to know where the middle ground is with the musicians that you're playing with? Like, you know, you know how far off you both can get, but you know where to find that middle ground. Is that important? Well, you know, that compromise, that you know. <laughs> I mean i I haven't really had to. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm telling you guys way too much, but I call it managing personalities as a band leader. So like <laughs> after I figured out what each of my bandmates likes and what they want out of this experience and I help, if I can help facilitate that, that's my way of, first of all, making sure they're happy and, and healthy in the band and then helping them reach their goal, whatever that may be in the band. Um, and I try to look at it much deeper probably than a lot of lead singers or leaders in bands do, but I spend a lot of time putting their happiness before my own um, so that our relationship can be fostered and be stronger over time. And I think that's really, I don't know, helping 
my band be close knit and tight, but we don't, we haven't had any confrontation really, or I call it emotional maturity. I just think that my band's freaking solid. You know, they're just like very low key, even kill, but passionate about music. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Travis, for you, you know, with, um, with the music that you write, you know, it's very soulful. Um, it's got elements of country rock and, you know, blues and, and R and B and, and, and rap, you know, but sometimes with the way you're, the way you're delivering lyrics, um, you know, what, you know, when you're, you, you mentioned this a little bit before about how, when you're writing, you're, you're playing on that acoustic guitar, how that kind of stuff kind of is led by how you're writing, but, do you ever hear it first before you're playing it? Do you ever like, is it oh, something yeah, yeah, that you're, totally. is it something that you're hearing that you need to hear and totally, then like you're totally. playing it? Yeah. And, it, but the way you would hear it would still be a vision of, you know, of a texture you'd already heard in a way. So just start at the acoustic guitar. Or just home, you know, and, and, and sing a cappella. But yeah, yeah, I mean, you can, I can, it's, it's, it's several channels of Pro Tools going on in my head at all times, for sure. <laughs> it's interesting. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. When you, so, when you're, when you're writing that. though, and, and you're, and you have that, and you're going, you're going on that path to try to capture what you hear, um, is it, is it a constant just, creation that you're chasing after what you're hearing what it was um um, now like i mean not that i'm i don't continue to 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 grow and find other aspects and like other um of of that just go into like my formula of writing or anything it's just kind of an open book but um, I've, my template, you know, it's, 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 it becomes autom- automatic. Like, you know what I mean? Like, not not that everybody will like all your songs, but it's like, guess where you, you know you're not going to write a bad song. Or you would you wouldn't keep you wouldn't. You know, it's just um, there, it wouldn't be. <laughs> It could be a shit song and be crafty as hell, you know, I guess. But I mean, it's just somebody's not their cup of tea or whatever. But I mean, you're not, you kind of know, like you're, you get, you get in your, in your style and your own groove and you're, you um, after you do it for so long, you know, and it's just, it's, that's, I guess that's, um, I guess you've become like professional at your craft or something, you know, like at least, in the um in the in the, in the in the structure of it you know and the in the and the knowledge and you know, it just comes down to relevance and i guess and where you can stay into you know right. being understood you know <clears throat> poetry you know it's, to me it- as far as writing, you know, and, and capturing, you know, what you're, what you're hearing and in, in, in what you're creating, um, you know, what do you do 
if you're if you're struggling with a, a piece of it? You know, is it just completely tear it up and start something else, or is it just a matter of just working through that that challenge? You like you like I'm saying, like usually, um, you, it would be like that's not the song I'm wanting right now, and I'm repeating myself or something like that that would throw a stick in my spokes rather than it just not being mm-hmm. um, good or, or, or is what I'm trying to say like um, to where it's you're like okay I'm, I feel like I'm repeating myself I don't need a uh, that's not really going anywhere there's really no um, oh, this I've told this story too many times and you have to tell the same story over and over. there's only so many things to to at least there's, 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 there's aspects of it that are the same. So there's a pattern to that too, as well. That So it's, 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 it's more like the subject matter, the, the texture of the song. Do I need another slow song? But these, but the lyrics, you know, if it was uh, profound enough to you or, or you thought could be to someone else, then, 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 then hopefully you'll write it down or not forget it, you know, and then you can throw that into, as I was saying to her earlier you could throw that into another song like in, in kind of like a um you know just a a song that happened over years you know interesting yeah i've, ta- I've taken hold like out of completely other songs i've taken whole verses and it's the rest of the song but it's still over there in a scrap you know and there's some verses in it that because you're gonna you're gonna so rather than repeat yourself, like I'm saying, like you might have said it in a different way in another song that fits it better now. And it doesn't, and it could, because language is an agreement on what a sound represents. Education, language of intellects, synonymous words when, you know, said a certain way, take a shortcut to the pertaining category, basically. So you can, so it's basically so having the options and, and, you know, like this mental thesaurus of your own stuff. It's kind of, yeah. I think what's, what's really good too about the, the, the new wave of rock music, the new wave of music that is out is I don't get, ever get that someone is trying to write a hit like years ago. Like you, right. like you could, you knew like when someone was trying to write that song to get on radio. Now I think, Everybody comes from a very organic, authentic place in their in their songwriting where no one's chasing that top 40 hit because, you know, what is top 40 these days? What is popular these days? Right. I mean, it's so fragmented with how people listen to music that I think music now is much more authentic than, you know, when I was growing up in the 80s and you had you know, headbangers ball on MTV and you had everybody trying to tease their hair, you know, high up and do this and do that. Um, and trying to get on the radio where I think now it's coming from more of a natural place. You know, right. do, I mean, do you guys feel that too? I do. I agree with that. I mean, it, definitely, yeah. definitely the ball is in like the court of your, of, of the, of the, the playing field, you know, a little more. Right. Well, on on that note, um, we will end here. I do appreciate you both coming on and doing this. It was a great conversation. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, but uh, you know, thank you again. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Travis, it was really nice to meet you. 
Yeah, nice to meet you. I, have a, I very much enjoyed a, you. Like, I, I hope uh, I'm going to go find you and follow you. And um, you, you're amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I got to love the insight from both of you guys. Well, everybody, that is Jen from Diamonds and Whiskey and Travis McCready, formerly a Bishop Gun. Uh, look for music from both of them in 2022. And thanks again for tuning in. This is Jay Scott. This is The Hook Rocks. We will chat again soon. Thanks. She took what was mine on a long hot summer day. Fire her and her eyes as she stole my life away. Forever must have only meant till you found something new. Cause I gave you my everything and now she gets all of you. So It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.